We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. While pretty much everyone, and rightfully so, is celebrating the Ravens' offensive performance against the Detroit Lions, Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner, we mentioned this earlier in the week, now we're going to get to it now, he got out the tape and he explained why there is still so much meat left on the bone. Yeah, Bobby, I mean, the Super Bowl winning quarterback, he's somebody you want to listen to. Uh, He said that the Ravens' passing game is still clunky. And he attributes the success Sunday more to Lamar Jackson overcoming said clunkiness. Okay, now you can always take certain plays, make everything look good, take certain plays, look everything, make everything look bad. There's an element of that. But after watching his analysis, I think Kurt is absolutely right. There's a lot left on the bone to have. All right, well, we're going to get into it. I'm Bobby Trossett, as always, alongside my co-host, Sarah Ellison. It is Thursday, October 26th, and this is your morning Ravens update from inside the vault, powered by one of this month's small business Patreon title sponsors, SNR Laundry Services, a laundry and dry cleaning pickup delivery service in Baltimore and surrounding areas. Visit cleanmylaundry.com to learn more. And during Wednesday's media availability, Lamar, he reflected on former Ravens wide receiver Hollywood Brown, his departure. And then he also playfully pushed back, as he always does. It's always playful and with a smile. He pushed back at a reporter and one of the questions that he had. Plus, dating back to August, the messaging surrounding outside linebacker Tyus Bowser's injury situation it's been inconsistent, confusing, and bizarre. And that is just to say, that's probably just, I don't know, cutting it short, right? That's the very least we can say about it. We're going to take a close look at his timeline chronologically and also share Wednesday's injury report with you. There is some surprising news on Roquan Smith. Uh, Yeah, we got all of that. And as always, we have more. So thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. All right, Bobby, so let's kick things off with with Kurt Warner. As you said, we kind of uh, brought this up in a previous Morning Vault, but we did it on the fly because it was it just come out and we didn't have time to look at it. And just to revisit that, Kurt Warner tweeted out, daily football reminder, be careful who you listen to. 
hearing a lot of people saying how great the Ravens pass offense looked yesterday. So this is an, an old one. He said, I'm guessing because of stats, not tape study. After watching tape, I couldn't disagree more. Still disjointed and clunky, but Lamar Jackson is playing great and making up for it. Um, so just a couple updates from that. I There was a Ravens follower, Lexi Redman. I know that she follows me. She probably follows you. We get our guy isolated. Great... Oops, sorry about that. That's all right. She's a great follow. Always appreciate her comments and her actions. So she tweeted back at Kurt Warner, and she said, Kurt, you got to admit, at the very least, there's more of a structured and thoughtful approach to the pass game than before, right? And then he replied, it's not what they're trying to do. It's just how they're doing it right now. So I think that that kind of tweet for me cleared up some things, Bobby, because when you originally read that tweet to me and I had never heard it before, I, I immediately thought, Oh, well, this, that was a similar criticism to Greg Roman. So was he saying that the, the offense is the same? And I think what he's saying here is it's not so much what they're trying to do. It's more how they do it. And then he has since put out a um, YouTube video explaining all that, which we'll get into. And that just that reinforced to me that it's not so much that it's the same offense, but there is still some clunkiness and spacing issues going on that we'll get to. Yeah, I, I think when you read this, the tea leaves of it, or you know, you see the the way that the original tweet is written, or anything along those lines, it probably comes across as a little bit more damning than it really is. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, to be honest with you, I hope your takeaway from this, not you, our our listener and, and viewer takeaway, is essentially like, oh wow, like like you mentioned at the top in the in the intro, right? Like they're they're they are just scratch, they're barely even scratching the surface here. So. If anything, this should be positive. This should be optimistic about what could still be to come over the next couple of months. So you ready to get into this specific clip itself? Let's do it. All right. So it's a it's a more than 10-minute video. We will link to it in the show notes below so you can go find it and watch it in its entirety. Here it is on Twitter as well. He teased it. Is the Ravens offense a sleeping giant? Now, that's what Mark Andrews himself told Kurt. Now, Kurt works for Westwood One. He works for NFL Network. He does a number of things. And I guess in a, in a show prep meeting for one of the games he was calling within the last couple of weeks for Westwood One, Mark told him that, that the Ravens offense is a sleeping giant. So he's playing off of that. Here's a three-minute snippet just in terms of some of that meat that he got into in analyzing what went right, what went wrong in this case, just logistically for the Ravens offense in Detroit. We get our guy isolated right here, Mark Andrews. He decides to run in. The throw goes out. I don't know whose fault it is, right? I don't know what they're seeing, but this is the stuff that I'm talking about, right? Miscommunication, bad spacing, bad timing. Yet, they're still throwing for 350 yards, so they're still doing a lot right. And specifically, that guy is doing a lot right and making up for some of this stuff as they go through growing pains. But this is the stuff that I'm talking about. Okay, we're going to try to run a very similar type play here. Post, cross, over, flat. I think Mark Andrews is supposed to clear this out here for the over that's coming. But he gets jammed or mucked up here. And look at this. Okay, so here's my concept as my quarterback. Okay, what are you reading right there? What, what am I looking at right there? You can't drive it in man because we got all these bodies out in front of it. Again, Lamar doing a great job. 
Very seldom in the NFL or any level do we get to our fifth guy. Get through our progressions and figure it out. Well, here's Lamar again. Went to his backside in on the one before. This is all mucked up. Going his backside hook. Getting a nice 15, 16 yard completion by getting through and playing the game at a really, really high level while everybody else is figuring out what they're trying to do offensively. Okay, so instead of an over here, we're going to run a go or a post. Again, trying to clear this out here. So instead of the over like the last time, we're just going to run this guy on an out and then the back on the flat here. But I want you to see when Mark Andrews, who's the out, breaks out. Look, what's the quarterback looking at? Quarterback's trying to throw an out route. And what's he see? He sees this because the timing and spacing are not very good. We'd like to see if we're going to run into the short side of the field. Mark Andrews maybe dive in here a little bit sell it like he's going back to the other side, then come out of this when everything is cleared out so my quarterback once again can get his high-low read over to that side. Now, they make it work because they have good time, they buy time, Mark Andrews holds in there and holds in that spot on the sideline and Lamar makes a play late, but it's not clean, it's clunky as I said in my tweet. I know, you guys are all mad at me. Well, they're throwing for 350 yards, I get it. They're doing a lot of things well, and the quarterback's doing a lot of things well, but it's just not smooth, right? Here, Mark Andrews falling down. Okay, they got a corner out here that's doubled. OBJ, I'm not sure what this route is. I really have a hard time believing that he's supposed to be stationary there. I don't know if he's supposed to break out to get the high-low off of the corner, or if he's supposed to run a return, run back past that defender, um, and, and create some sort of opening, but he gets stuck back behind, and so... I mean, you just look at this. When you look at this right here, I mean, where are you going to throw it? Double teamed, spacing, everybody's kind of going to a different zone. Guys are on the ground. Lamar Jackson oh, makes a great play, right? Buys time, makes a play to OBJ. Unfortunately, we get a holding penalty here because nobody's open right off the bat. Not smooth. All right, so you get the sense, you kind of get a sense there for what he's talking about. And then just before we react, here's his conclusion. Again, you can go watch this in its entirety. It's linked in the, in the comment section below. But here's his conclusion in, in summary. Is it where they want to be yet? No, it's not. The beautiful thing is they're winning games. They maybe should be undefeated at this point as they're working through some of these issues. The great thing is they got a quarterback that's playing at an extremely high level and overcoming a lot of their issues. I believe they're going to get there. Too many talented players, but it's a work in progress, right? A new offense is always tough, and that's what I'm seeing on the tape kind of week in and week out is that the possibilities, and they're making big plays at particular times, but when you look at it as a whole, it's still you know a lot of clunky stuff, a lot of bad spacing, a lot of guys trying to figure out exactly what the details and the nuances of this new offense are. I'll let you go first, partner. Okay, so well, I guess two things to it. I think that there's, I, I read this as both good news and kind of like a little cautionary warning, right? So good news because as I watch the tape and you're feeling so good coming off of that win, as he said, 350, said lots of good stuff going on. But then you watch it and it's like, yeah, there is a lot of beat still left on the bone. Like it is clunky. Now, I will say part of that, and this is why, uh, and by the way, I don't know if people saw it, but Kurt Warner responded to you because you did a lunchtime 
uh, view on this. And then you guys started talking. He's open to coming on the show. So the first question, if he does make it on the show, the first question I have is, does he attribute this spacing and clunkiness to like last year, everybody was attributing it to Greg Roman. Does he attribute it to the way the offense is being designed or does he attribute it to maybe players still learning the offense mm -hmm. from what I listened to my take of that? It was more a, that it's what players are learning. I, but there was one, I don't think we showed there where Zay, I don't know that Zay wrote, ran the exact correct route. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we showed it in that, that clip. There was, there was one, um, uh, I'm just remembering where where John Harbaugh said that you know Zay's still learning to to line up right. There was one where likely didn't know what he was doing. He was like trying to communicate to Lamar, and and then Lamar. That was one where Lamar just decided to run, and then he ended up getting blown up. Um, so so some of it seems to me players. I would say this: the vast majority of it, watching his whole ten minute film, seemed like it was more players learning it rather than. Oh, this is designed wonky. The other thing is, and we always have to remember this, is Mark Andrews is given a ton of freedom with his routes, which is another reason why you will see carryover from last year with Greg Roman, where the spacing is funky, because a lot of those he talks about were with Mark Andrews. And so it's Mark Andrews being able to play a little bit. And so you have to have the, the give and take of that, right? Like, it's all, it's, it stinks in some instances where Lamar's like, ah, now I've got everybody covered in a small area. But other times it's like, look what Mark and Lamar just did. So you kind of have to take the good and bad, and there's more good than bad with it. So to me, that was it. Like, there's a lot of meat left on the bone, so there's a lot of optimism coming out watching that tape. Especially, how can you have so much meat on the bone when you put up that many yards? Like, it's just bananas to think about. It's also positive because Lamar's doing that at an incredibly high rate when it's not even built in all the time. And it's also positive, but this is the cautionary part. It makes me nervous going forward. I, I want it to get, I want Lamar to be able to hit the first and second reads, like the one he showed where he hits Bateman on the fifth. Like that's awesome from a quarterback perspective. But when you don't have as much time as the offensive line was able to give Lamar on Sunday, that's not always going to happen. It didn't happen against the Steelers. It didn't happen in other places. So you want the ball to be able to come out quicker when needed and you can only do that if the receivers are are running in the right places and they're on on time and nobody's not everybody's in the same spot so that to me is the cautionary part is that it's like well if lamar doesn't have as much time as he did then that's when things can get a little bit dicey so a lot of optimism but also let's clean it up for when the pass rush is actually coming yeah, you, I'm not gonna go and regurgitate some of those things because that's every single. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. This that's every single point yeah. that that I wanted to hit on as well. Uh, Coach Evans, I had on my stream from the Sip to Tally YouTube channel, and one of the things that he kind of brought to my attention as well is something that you hit on the freelancing that Mark is not only given but has earned. Right, much like Travis mm -hmm. Kelsey has earned in Kansas City, like that's part of the street ball that makes Lamar and Mark so fun to watch and so dangerous when things break down from an improvisation standpoint. So some of that you got to take with a grain of salt. Again, uh, all well taken, well received from Kurt. And the big takeaway here is that they're nowhere near what they can be peak wise, which is exciting. That's what this is. It's exciting. It's good constructive criticism from yeah. a hall of famer and a Super Bowl champion. And you bet you're, you know what I've been working our, my tail off over here to try and get them on the show, pulling out all the stops. So we've, we've tweeted back and forth. Now we're texting. 
hopefully something can come of it. Because oh, I you are texting. That's an update that I didn't have. Good to hear. <laughs> we, we are texting. Yes. He's responding to your texts. Yes. A lot He's is re- happening on the fly here. So we All are, right. we are moving right along and, and hopefully, hopefully we can get it done. Okay. Right. So. Uh, so much national reaction these days with this team. You can't get to all of it. What we're going to do here, we have four clips. We're only going to share two of them because the Mark Sanchez stuff that I tweeted out on Wednesday is awesome, but you need really the on-camera snippets of it for everybody to, to get the value out of it that we got when we watched it. The problem is... YouTube copyright, we're going to get dinged if we share the Fox stuff. So we're not going to do that. Fox stuff always gets us. Yep. That's just how it is. Like This is the real world stuff. We're peeling back the curtain. What we can share is, and we've dragged him before, so this is us coming back full circle. Colin Coward, I thought, gave some great insights, some great takes on Lamar. And we know that back in his rookie year, he was the one that the freezing cold take that's recycled every year, right? Comparing Lamar to Tim Tebow and everything that. But I tell you what, it's for years now, Colin really has has checked himself. He's held himself accountable. And I got a lot of respect for people who do that. I know you do as well. I got a lot of respect for the way that he handled this this week in the aftermath of the Lions game, just kind of from his perspective on what Lamar, this maturation process, this development, and a whole heck of a lot of praise. Here's Colin Coward, courtesy of The Herd on Fox, talking Lamar. Don't think less of the Detroit Lions today. They got Lamarred. NFC teams that don't see him regularly are 1-16 against him. You have no idea how athletic, how fast, how crazy good he is until you face him. The only people that have ever beaten Lamar Jackson consistently in this league, and there aren't many, have seen him for a second, third, fourth, fifth time. The first time you face him, he's 16-1 and against NFC teams. You, you have nobody in practice that can duplicate Lamar Jackson. So I don't think less of the Lions. They're going to win 11-12 games, win their division, probably win a playoff game or two in the NFC. But what I do think is Lamar Jackson is now number two in the league behind Patrick Mahomes in terms of how do you prepare for a player. Mahomes is the only player in the league that's harder to prepare for. Is he the second best quarterback? I don't know. He's the second hardest player in this entire sport to prepare for. And here's the thing I love about Lamar. Money changes people. They think they're smarter than they are, more successful than they are. Money changes people. And he got the bag. And he's actually changed for the better. So, Sarah, a couple different things there. That's the first of, of two clips. So be on the lookout for another one coming up in just a second. Detroit got Lamard. <laughs> I like that line. Detroit got Lamard. I think a lot of us feel like, okay, obviously Detroit came in as one of the NFC's best through six weeks, entering week seven, and the Ravens humbled them. I'm with Colin. I think they're, I don't know about being there when it's all said and done in February, but I see them making noise at least for one week in January. I think they're built like that. This is year three of the Dan Campbell experiment, but they ran into a steam engine uh, by the name of Lamar Jackson. And yeah, they did get Lamar. And as we saw in Kurt's breakdown, Lamar bailed out the Ravens in a number of ways, just based on the way that he extends plays, the way that he's developed as a quarterback how he's going to kill you with his arm. That's what Dan Campbell got up at the podium and said. He killed us with his arm. And uh, I appreciated what Colin had to say specifically to getting that bag, right? The only thing that Lamar's 
Now, now, granted, I think some people took it the wrong way within the Ravens Twitter community. Well, Lamar changed for the better. He hasn't changed at all. I, I think what Colin's getting at there is he didn't change for the worse in terms of getting all of that money, getting that life-changing, lucrative contract extension that reset the market. He's changed for the better in the sense that he's only more locked in, more laser-focused, more disciplined, and honestly, like, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of mindset. He doesn't care about a regular season. Of course he cares about it. But if you if you heard him and Mark Andrews at the podium after that Lions win, it was pretty abundantly clear. These guys have been here, done that. They have their sights set for greater things. Yeah, that was the only thing I would have challenged uh, Colin on is that Lamar is the same. Lamar is the same. Now, has he matured? Is he come becoming like, yeah, everybody matures over, over the years. But uh, all I know is Lamar has always been about winning, whether he's been paid or not paid. To me, he generally seems like the same guy. But I get what his point is, is that it's like a lot of guys will get paid and then they feel like they can rest on their laurels. Lamar is nowhere near that. This is not about... Obviously, money is a big deal, but for Lamar, he wants to leave a legacy, and it's a football legacy. He's happy to be paid. He's happy to feed his family. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but his highest priority is to leave a legacy, and it starts, he said this from the day he was drafted, it starts with the first Super Bowl, and then you can go from there. Perhaps there's been an uptick in leadership. I've noticed a few tweets pregame in the sense that he's a little bit more animated, not as much as Roquan is in the pregame huddle, but Lamar's taking more of a of a role there. We know that he had he kind of got up in Justice's grill a little bit with that fumble exchange a week ago. I, I don't know if that's a stretch to say that. Perhaps there's just a small little uptick in that being that this is year six. He turns 27 in January. He's been around the league for a while now. Perhaps that's the next uh, potential layer. Lamar has layers, right? Not just as as a as a layered thrower, like Dan Orlovsky so eloquently said on Wednesday. But there's also layers to him as well, and and that's something that Colin also touched down in, uh, touched on. Excuse me, in segment two here, courtesy of the herd. Lamar no longer plays to protect his body, which I understood. I get. He's out to prove he's worth the money, not sitting back telling you how much he's worth. He's out here to prove that he's worth it. He finally got wide receivers. I love the Ravens organization. I didn't think they did him well with wide receivers until now. There is something about his work ethic, his competitiveness, and his personality that is jet fuel. He is so good for all the doubters. He is so good at so many things. I'm just trying to find one thing Jordan Love is good at. This kid is crazy competitive, crazy athletic. His efficiency numbers are off the chart, second in the league in completion percentage. So I get efficiency, which is always nice. Not a lot of mistakes, Mahomes. And then crazy athletic, crazy accurate, crazy movement, crazy competitiveness. The Lions got avalanched. NFC teams and teams that don't face Lamar regularly, they have no idea what it's like to face him. The sidearm stuff, the moving, left, right. His accuracy doesn't dip when he moves. The only teams, Steelers, Bengals, Browns, Chiefs, Chargers a couple times. You see him a second, a third, a fourth time. It's not like you solve him, but you have some idea about the lightning you're going to face. And so when I'm watching right now, yesterday wasn't about Detroit. He's 16-1 and against NFC teams. It was about Baltimore's Super Bowl good enough defense 
and about having to face Lamar Jackson for the first time. People just don't. You, you can't prepare for Lamar Jackson. You can even probably prepare a little for Mahomes. He'll beat you either way. But I, Detroit, it was like they were observing Lamar Jackson. Certainly couldn't stop him. Lamar is 16-1 and against the NFC. That's the game. That's why I said Baltimore was my favorite pick. If you've never faced Lamar, you have no idea what you're in for. And this Lamar is the best Lamar. I thought his first half against the Titans in London was the best half of football I've seen any quarterback play this year. And he wasn't perfect yesterday, but between the coaching, that defense, and Lamar and those receivers this morning, that's the best team in the NFL. That's the best team in the NFL right there. Not San Francisco, not Kansas City. That is the best team in the NFL. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He's put, he keeps, I, I get Cullen's point about facing Lamar for the first time. Dan Campbell was the head coach when the, when Justin Tucker kicked the 66 yarder, right? Yeah, it's not the first time. <laughs> it's not the first time. Now yeah. to his point, it's not like it's Steelers. You see him two or three times. Although the Steelers haven't seen him much to be honest, because Lamar has been injured. It just has always turned out that way, but it's not the first time. Uh, it's it's a nice note because he's so good against the NFC uh, with the sixteen and one, but it's not the first time for Dan Campbell and the and the and the Detroit Lions. No, it, I, I like to again. You can pick, you can yeah, pick yeah. apart this thing. It's a two plus minute thing. He gets on a rant and he gets going. We've all been there on his soapbox, but I just like you know. There's something about his work ethic, his competitive, his competitiveness, and his personality that is jet yeah. fuel. You know, that's exactly yeah. What that was is. nice. He's a yeah. catalyst. He's a catalyst for this team, and I thought Colin did a good job of uh, 
I know some people can't get it out of their heads just in terms. I'm looking at my mentions right now from the video I put out a couple days ago of this, and, and, and somebody says, Jay Burgundy says, next week he will crap on him if he has a bad game. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> others were like, you know, no, he picked the Ravens to finish third in the division. Uh, or, or like somebody said, more like Colin Coward, and they spelled that like actual coward. Lucky but, coward. Yeah. Uh, so people, okay. anyway. So let's, uh, let's. We just wanted to kind of make sure that we're covering as much of the national reaction as we can. That full clip, along with Kurt Warner's, will be included in the description of this video or the audio only side of things. And then, like I said, the Mark Sanchez stuff is. We're just going to leave that out because of copyright stuff. So on to Wednesday pressers, partner. All right, so as we know, uh, well, where should we start? Um, well, as we know, Lamar Jackson won the AFC Offensive Player of the Week, and I liked the team when they announced it. They were, like, obvi. Um, so, yeah, that was one of the most obvious, yeah, decisions to make of the week. Obviously, reporters asked Lamar Jackson, what's your reaction he kind of gets distracted by Tyler Huntley for a second, but here's his reaction. I'm trying to win week in, week out. Uh, if that happened, <laughs> uh, nah, uh, no, but I'm just trying to focus on winning. Like I said, week in, week out, uh, when stuff like that happens, I feel like that's a team award, you know, without those guys, I won't be the LC player of the week. So it's out to my teammates. What Lamar sharing the praise. <laughs> I really would like to know. I need to know. Uh, I need to ask some of these reporters what was going on back there. But oh, uh, yeah, Lamar always always uh, sharing it. Now, Bobby, I said in yesterday's vault that watch for it. Reporters are going to be asking about you know the quote unquote trap game, the quote unquote letdown game that it certainly did uh, occur. So here's Lamar on that. Do you believe in the idea of a trap game or a letdown game or whatever you want to call it after you've had a, a big win? You know, and then you play a team that you're expected to beat. I mean, do you have to fight that at all? Or? I believe you have a trap game or something like that when you've been complacent and, or thinking the team is, okay, yeah, we, we just beat this team 30-something to six, so we're not worried about this team. I, I believe that's when that stuff pops into your brain. But I don't believe our guys like that. You know, we know it's any given Sunday. It's the NFL. You know, anybody can be beaten. So we're just going to go in there, go out there to Arizona and fight our butt off. And while this is a lesser opponent, Bobby, I mean, the AFC North is just like, whoa, it's a dogfight. So there's there can't be any letdown, that's for sure. And then uh, really quickly here, <laughs> I'll just let this one speak for itself. I love Lamar. The, that win in Cincinnati followed by lost in Indianapolis, the win in Cleveland followed by struggles in Pittsburgh. What do you think um, so far has prevented this team from finding the week-to-week consistency where you guys are able to kind of put forth consistent effort every week? You didn't say we won in London, and then we won again, and then we came back and won again. You didn't say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I believe we're going in the right direction right now, if anything. Just need to keep going. Like I said, keep being consistent. He followed him the entire time. Like, wait a second. Yeah. How, how come you're not going to finish that trail that you just <laughs> stated? Like, come on, man. If you're watching on YouTube, you can actually see Lamar's like, you can see him being like, wait a minute. And he's and his, like, how are you going to leave out? You're like pointing out that we had win, lose, win, lose, but we just had a win, win. So like, why? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, the big news of the conference, everyone wanted to know, because obviously the Ravens are going up against um, Marquise Brown, the Cardinals. Uh, Marquise and Lamar were obviously great friends. I'm sure still are. Grew up in the same area in South Florida. 
And uh, as we know, Lamar or Hollywood asked to be traded. And so here's what Lamar was asked about that. And Lauren, when uh, you mentioned you're happy for Marquise, where he is, how he's doing. When you're close to a teammate and he makes a business decision, he wanted to be elsewhere. How do you how do you see that? How do you describe that to people who wonder how that happens? I mean, that, that's his decision. You know, he got to feed his family at the end of the day. And he believes it's the right decision for him. That's that's on him. It's not on me. It's not my decision to make. You know, he would have still be, been here if it was up to me. <laughs> Sarah, we all remember the draft night tweet, right? And Lamar obviously acted as if he was surprised, even though he wasn't. We later learned uh, about that acquisition, about that decision on, on opening night of the draft, right? And they end up going to use that that first-round draft compensation that they got in exchange on, on Tyler Linderbaum, which could go down as – you know, a massively important pick for this team if he ends up being what what a lot of people are projecting him to be. But uh, that that's one of those things that I'll I'll think about. I'll remember that night for a while. I remember I was streaming that night, and you know we hadn't our podcast wasn't even a thing, and I was like, wow, Lamar's tweet. I don't. I think it was deleted not long after, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember if he deleted it or not. Maybe he didn't. But- I think he like quote retweeted it or replied to it or something. I don't know if it ever got deleted, but go ahead. I don't remember. Yeah. But that to me was one of the first sort of examples of, of Lamar's frustrations really coming through that were clear uh, from an organizational sense uh, in terms of front office decision-making where I was like, wow, I wonder, even though he tried to clear it up in the end, I mean, I never really bought that, that he wasn't, even though he didn't get, surprised by it or whatever and they gave him heads up about it can't imagine he was thrilled with that uh i'm i don't think i agree with you but we're not going to get into it because that was a while ago and we got to move on but that was how is that an organizational decision if marquise came to them and said i want traded well we did i guess we didn't know it at the time that it was an organization that it was a marquise personal decision right at the time we thought it was organizational and then we later learned i think it was through eric maybe marquise anyway uh Let's move on. All right. Injury report. So uh, the big news of the day, which is is interesting, Roquan Smith did not practice. Didn't know if it was like at the time, didn't know if it was like a day off or an illness or whatever. And also this didn't help. The injury report hadn't come out yet. The reporters had asked John Harbaugh why he wasn't at practice and here's what John said. No, he just wasn't out there. I'm not commenting on any of that really at this point in time, but the injury report will be coming out four o'clock. It was not four, by the way. It came out much (laughs) later. I remember like uh, looking for it because I wanted to be able to tweet it out, but uh, yeah, so it turns out once we got the injury report, it is a shoulder injury. Now, how severe it is, we don't know because we just heard what John Harbaugh said there. Now, I don't know. John Harbaugh clearly is not in the talkative mood. He's a little bit prickly. It's funny because on Monday I was like, hey, Bobby, wasn't John Harbaugh in such a good mood? And <laughs> we've seen him when he's been tired huh. and beat down. And like two huh. days later, he was in a much more <laughs> prickly mood just two days later. So to me, initially, I read that as, oh, that can't be good. That can't be good for, for Roquan because why else would be Harbs be ticked? But hey. I could be wrong. Who knows? Maybe he just wasn't in the mood talking about injuries. I do not know. I can't, you know, I don't want to read too too deep into to his mood, but uh, I certainly sometimes he'll say, oh, it's no big deal. He'll be back. And that was not said. So 
That's Roquan. We will definitely keep on top of that because that's a little bit scary. Keaton Mitchell, as we knew, as Harbor alluded to on Monday, we knew he wouldn't be out there. That hamstring did not practice. He's probably not going to play for this Sunday's game. Kevon Seymour, he did return with that ankle injury. He was limited. Tylen Wallace returned. He's been on injured reserve, so now he starts his three weeks of being able to practice. And at the end of those three weeks, he either goes back to injured reserve or he plays. So, But he practiced in full. And then Marcus Williams, he did not play with that hamstring. But there was a tweet, I believe, it was either from Jeff or Jameson, uh, who said that they saw Marcus Williams practicing on a field to the, to the side. That's usually an indication that they might be returning to practice. So what are your thoughts on Roquan and the injury report, Bobby? Well, programming alert, we will have him back on the vault the day after the Arizona game. So that's Monday the 30th. Hopefully we're talking about a game in which he played. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully he's just – the guy's tough as nails. Let's hope that it was just an extra rest day for a guy who, you know, could use one. The guy never misses practice, you know. So in one sense, you're thinking to yourself, oh, boy, it's a Wednesday. We know it's a pretty big install day. But then on the other hand, you're like, well, this guy's about as experienced as it gets. Does he need a Wednesday? Hopefully not. Well, and all those that like to, you know, I got this sent to me on Twitter that Odafe Owe had posted a picture from inside the locker room, uh, and he was really Odafe Owe was pointing out Patrick Queen because he looks pretty serious. So he puts PQ in herself, but two lockers down, uh, looks like there's a Roquan Smith signing or sighting, excuse me. Mm. He's already been signed, thank goodness. Uh, sighting. So anyway, everybody's like, there he is, there he is, and trying to like decide whether or not he looks okay from. That picture, that, that means nothing to me. I have no clue. I'm sure he was in the locker room. But as Jameson Hensley pointed out, uh, Roquan has played in 57 straight games since finishing 2019 on IR. So mm-hmm. we'll stay on top of that. Should what do you we, got on Tyus? Should we cut the <laughs> Kyle Van Noy stuff? Yeah, let's cut it. Keep moving. Yeah, just we're getting on time a little bit. Kyle, Kyle's awesome. Doing his fair share of media rounds these days. He was on Marlon Humphrey's pod. He was on media availability. I think he's going on the lounge at some point. He's been on McAfee the last. We covered point. the McAfee stuff, and he yeah. kind of said a lot of the same stuff. So we yeah. can move on. Well, he just yeah. said that Lamar's playing at an MVP clip, and and that's how it is. And you got to talk about it. So yep. that's that. And then just really quickly along the lines of of Arizona, Kyler Murray. He has not played yet this this year. He is in week two of his practice window opening. He was a full participant on Wednesday. Something to look out for. Obviously, Arizona could use him very much so uh, for the Cardinals. So that's that's where things are right now, most notably in terms of their injury report. Okay, on to Tyus Bowser, though. And it was this tweet from Jonas Schaefer that got me thinking a little bit. He went up to Tyus at his locker today, that's Wednesday, and asked whether he was available to talk. Jonas asked him, and he politely declined. Harbs has previously deferred comments on the situation to Tyus himself, and as we all know, he remains on the non-football injury list. We have not yet seen him so far this year, and I tell you what, the mix, there has been mixed messaging. We've covered it, and what I wanted to do is put everything – all the way back to August in chronological order, Sarah, in terms of what we heard, what we've heard from Harbs and what we've heard from Tyus himself, just to give you a good idea of how things have changed and how inconsistent the messaging has been. I'm not putting John Harbaugh on blast here. I'm just putting the overall situation on blast. Not even on blast. I'm just confused. I'm very confused. 
and everybody seems to be probably because of this. It's an agitated knee, I guess. There's not really anything other to say about than that, and I think they are being cautious, I will say. Uh, and they feel like uh, today, they did say his knee looked the best it's looked. Uh, you know, swelling, things like that. So, um, you know, I know he'll be back for the season, but I know as well as you can know, you know, there's not a serious problem in there. It's just him it getting right for him to play to his highest level. Hello, I don't really know. I'm a little more vague on that one. I think that's, uh, I'm hopeful, really, that he'll get back here, you know, First game, second game, third game, somewhere in there. Uh, but we'll just have to see. It's uh, it's with the doctors and Tyus. Tyus, I'm going to let Tyus comment on that. You know, so that's that's uh, gotten a little more complicated over the last couple of weeks. And I'm really not really liberty to talk about it right now. But uh, at some point in time, I'm sure we'll have an announcement on that one way or another. He's got to make some choices and decisions. I want what's best for Tyus. You know, I want, I want this to kind of get resolved because he's worked hard to get physically where he can come back and play you know he's worked really hard to do it and I, th I think there's some doctors meetings going on this week uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what the resolution is I mean I'm hopeful that he gets back and plays you know that but what you'd want uh, it's going to be in his court uh, I think you know that's my understanding of it and we'll just see what happens but uh, those are those are serious real decisions that guys have to make so we'll see I'm great I'm on the field I'm moving around very well I'm just gaining more and more confidence each and every day uh, not only on the field but you know, in the training room, I have great people around me, uh, great support staff, and I feel like myself is, you know, getting to that point. And, you know, I'm just going to continue to work hard. And when that time comes, it comes. No, if you, I can play, I'll definitely play. We know That's that. That's the goal. That's we the know mindset. that. I want to be clear, Sarah. These guys don't owe us anything in terms of explanations and whatnot. But to say that I have any kind of clarity in terms of what's happening right now would be yeah, false. They don't owe us, but I, yeah, I do think that they, I don't know. It's who knows. I you can we can criticize the communication on it, which I was just about to do. But then I realized, like, like if you thought back in May or June or July or August that he was almost there, and it keeps on not happening, then I can see why the the communication could be bad. Like you think one thing's going to happen, and then something else happens. Like it happens every day in life, right? It's just like who who knows? It is it is bizarre though. So. Uh, you really went into your in bag, mind. though. You went into your bag and got all those clips. That must have taken a minute. Well done. Well, well hey, you, you gave me a little bit extra time on Wednesday. You know? I did. Thank you for being flexible. Only kidding. <laughs> yeah. But two things on that before we wrap up, and I think they're important. One, it, it kind of feels like this is a very similar situation. The fact that Harbs has said it's in his court. The ball is in Tyus's court. It feels really similar to what we watched unfold in the first opening month of last year with Ronnie. Remember that, right? It's in Ronnie's yes. court. These guys, it's up to them. Okay, are they not are they not physically there? Are they not mentally there? I don't I, it it feels very similar in that sense. And then Brian McFarland, and I think we've mentioned this before, but he reminded me during Wednesday's lunch hour live stream, and that is you know, the Ravens have an option to pay guys when they're on the NFI. Tyus is not, and we've mentioned this before, but I just I think it warrants repeat. Tyus, Tyus is not being paid while on NFI. So we are now seven weeks entering week eight into the season where he's yet to be paid. So that, that's a team decision, I, I is my actually, understanding. I right? actually did not, I did not know that. I mean, I know that technically speaking, if you're on NFI, because that means that the football injury happened away from the team. So by contract, the team is not on the hook to pay your salary because you mm -hmm. had an injury that was not football related. That's the whole point of it. But 
to your point, a lot of times the Ravens will do that anyway, even though it might not be the full contract. Yep. They might give a little because it's like, man, we're not trying to like ruin you. So yeah, the fact that he's getting zero uh, is notable for sure. S suggests a little bit of internal friction. Don't know. Don't know for sure. But you get the Maybe. sense that clearly there is some sort of miscommunication. Yeah, yeah, maybe friction. That that doesn't mean it for sure, but I don't know. We'll see. Shouting out two of our returning patrons. These guys are supporting everything we do here inside the channel. You know, any chance I get to push some drama, I do you it. do. <laughs> I didn't really mean it that way anyway. I just, <laughs> miscommunication is the right word. Friction is, is, is um, dramatic. Major <laughs> offense and Devin Conway. Thank you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. You guys are the best. It's time to sign off this episode before my co-host punches me through the screen. I'm not going <laughs> I know. Patreon.com. I'm, I'm not even angry over here. I just think it's funny. <laughs> oh, patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault Podcast is the way to support what we're doing. Thank you so much for 10,000 subscriptions, which we reached earlier this week. Since then, there's been an onslaught. It, it's unbelievable to see the support that you guys have brought. And um, it's, it's pretty cool. So we're already in our heads. We're already counting down towards 20,000 subscriptions. That's, that's what we're gunning for. So you guys are the best. We will be back in, later this afternoon with a Arizona Cardinals preview with Ed Smith. He's a former tight end for the Cardinals. Looking forward to that conversation and plenty more content leading in to week eight of this NFL season.